Welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5 The Game, hour number three here live on a Thursday. Nick Braden, Dimes, and Marquise with you. Stick to sports coming up at 8.45 this morning. Hal Gill will stop by at 9.30. Right now we welcome in our buddy Joe Rexroad from The Athletic. Rex, happy Thursday. How are you? I'm great. Uh, looking forward to some soggy trick-or-treating, and uh, I enjoy the uh, the media debate you guys are having. That's, uh, I think it's two weeks in a row, but I'm sure we're coming, after, coming off a uh, media debate, right? Strategically planned. Yeah, we actually do yeah. it just for you, Joe. Um, <laughs> we know you like it, Joe. So I, th- I think there is a – I don't even know what exactly the question is because I don't really have a problem with Baker Mayfield and athletes in general being honest. In fact, I like that. Um but there also is a balance, right? You know, media guys are just men and women are just in there do, trying to do their jobs. You live it every day, Joe. You're in the locker room, so you know. Do you want a quarterback who's quiet? Do you, you know the Joel Embiid thing was a big story yesterday? Do, do you want guys who are going to be larger than life personalities? But then you're going to have to deal with the other side of that coin as well. Like, how, how do you see it all? It all. No, I mean, I, I would, I would much prefer. Uh, someone like Baker Mayfield because it's just more interesting. Now, I think you said the key word last segment, Braden, which was tool. I mean, let's all face it, he's kind of a tool. But uh, still, I'd enjoy covering him because he, he will pop off and he'll be honest. And, you know, I, I agree with you on that interaction. I thought, you know, I, I thought he got overly snippy with basic questions and, and the guy was trying to figure out you know why? You know the clock situation, and then the reporter took it too far with, "Oh, so you're happy?" And I'm like, "Okay." Like I don't blame Baker for walking up after that one because it did just become, like you said, you know, two egos, and and you know, just get out of there. But uh, no, I mean, look, like Taylor Lewan would be the example in the Titans locker room of someone who, at times, you're like, "Wait, what are you saying?" And you know, at times maybe loses control of his emotions. Although that's more on the field. Um, but man, I mean, he is easily the media's most valuable player here. I mean, you go to him every single time, and usually he's going to give you honest and you know thoughtful answers, and not be afraid to say what he really thinks. And that's harder and harder to find these days, I think. Joe, take us into the world of journalism because obviously, really good journalists will push and push and push, and they'll press. They'll try to get information. They'll use all their bags of tricks that they learn in journalism school: who, what, where, when, and why. But when you do get to a point where the journalist shows an ego back to a player, is that frowned upon within the journalism world? Like, have you ever been in a situation, whether it was you or a former colleague, in any stop along the way, where like an editor said you went too far as the journalist? Yeah, I mean, definitely, I think the idea of, like, don't become the story, you know, is, is definitely yeah. something I that I still remember way, way back in college. You know, you, you don't want to be the story. I mean, the thing is, it is different. There are different kinds of jobs. I mean, honestly, even like, I mean, I, I think sometimes, obviously, you have you know, TV or, or radio personalities, you know, they, they have a brand, and, and it's more, um, you know, they're, it's more, you know, opinion or entertainment. I think even for me, I think a little differently as a columnist than I did most of my career. I was a beat writer, and, you know, as a beat writer, it's more, you know, you're just trying to get information, you know, and you're trying to do whatever you can to get information from as many people as you can get it. And then, you know, you move to columnists, it's more like, well, what do you think about this? So even like, you know, it does. It, so it does depend on the job. But, yeah, I mean, I've seen, to me, I've seen some things that I thought was maybe a little bit of grandstanding. Um, you know, my friend Greg Doyle, love Greg. He's great. 
you know, works at the Indy Star. One time he got into a thing. You guys may remember this, but this is, I think that it was the 2013 Final Four in Atlanta, and he and Jim Beheim just got into this. <laughs> at, at the press conference, I mean, just like, well, you're an idiot. No, you're an idiot, basically. You know? And it was like, all right, like, we, like we're all on deadline. We're, like, you know, it's like we're trying to figure out Michigan-Syracuse and, and, you know, get questions and get our stories in. And, like, I don't have time for this crap, you know. So sometimes you, you do have – situations like that where it's like you know just save it for a different time but you know emotion can also I mean, we're all human beings we do not yet have robot journalists i mean i'm sure that's coming mm-hmm. but as of now we're humans and so th- sometimes emotion takes over yeah sometimes it does and i think i think the important part is don't you know don't make it personal uh, or don't take it personal um and, and i've been around enough of enough journalists and, and enough media guys that if a guy do kind of pop off they're not taking it personal um you know they know that hey it's frustrating outside and i think i mean it's frustrating on the field and if you're not you know getting the results that you want then i know coming into the locker room you guys got to almost prepare for someone to you know have a snarky remark or just be fed up and any question you ask is not a good question whether you know, you think it's a good question or not. After a loss, it's like, man, you know, maybe I ask this question and maybe I get a different result um, this week than I might have gotten last week. No, totally. And, and yeah, and you've got to be sensitive to the situation. Um, and, you, and, look, there are some guys who, I mean, I think back to a couple years ago, you know, the Titans were looking really good and they go out west and lose a couple, you know, to Arizona and San Francisco and, you know, Arakpo, who normally was great, but he just he just didn't want to deal with it. And he was, like, kind of screaming at no one, like, I hate y'all, get out of my face, you know, like, because <laughs> he just didn't want, he didn't want to be asked anything. He just didn't want to, he was so upset about the loss. And so what, you don't go over there and say, no, I want to hear from you right now. You know, I mean, you just leave the guy alone. Um, there are guys on this team, you know, we'll keep taking it to this team. Kevin Byard, I don't care what happens on the field. Like, he will stand in there and he will answer your questions about it. Logan Ryan, same thing. A guy like, like Jarrell Casey, if, if there's a bad loss, be prepared for the interview to end really quickly. Because the first thing that bothers him, he's like, thanks, okay, bye. You know, and that's okay, too. I mean, everybody takes it differently, like you said. I mean, so much is poured into this stuff that um, guys guys are going to react uh, when they lose. So you have to you have to understand that. And then there are times, and I think with Rabel this week's a good example, when like you've got to get the questions and like, what were you thinking? What did you see? What was like, why that call? I mean, like, and and you know, he came right into his pressure and said, "Yeah, don't waste your time on that," which meant he knew he was about to get a bunch of questions about it, and he he handled it fine in terms of you know once the questions came. But but that's one of those situations where you know you know they won, so it makes it a little different. If they would have lost, I think that press conference could have been really interesting. Joe, we've had you on for like nine or ten minutes now. We haven't talked uh, Titans game, Vols, Preds at all, whatever. Can can you do you have a few more minutes to stick around for us next segment? Is that right? I can. I'll be driving my daughter, uh, uh, but yes. I mean, I'll, I'll you know as long as, the, sure? as long as the dog is not oh, in the yeah. car, we're good. Yeah, as long as the dog's not in the car. <laughs> I'm, assu- I'm assuming well, the daughter I'm... listens better than the dog does, right? <laughs> Yeah, well, I, yeah, that's the that's the negotiation. Can we leave Gus at home? Like, even, <laughs> <laughs> All right, be good. Rex, we'll get to uh, we'll get right back to you on the other side. Morning drive, part two with Joe Rexroad coming up next here on ESPN one hundred two five. The game. Nobody's watching because well, we're not uh, simulcasted, but they're listening. Trust me, they don't miss a beat. They could be watching us. You never know.
Could be. You never know. We all got cameras on our computers, right? Exactly. Big brother. All right, let's bring Joe Rexroad back in, get to some of the local stuff that we didn't get to in the last segment. Rex, appreciate you hanging on. Uh, Roman Yossi, once again, like I'm blown away by David Poyle and his ability. And I know he gave him a non-movement clause, but the ability to get a guy at a number that nobody thought or very few people thought was was realistically possible. Uh, What was your biggest takeaway from the big big, uh, max contract extension for Roman Yossi? Yeah, well, the no movement clause, and and I think that's a big part of the answer there. And you know, it's funny because uh, my coworker Adam Bingen asked the question, you know, basically, so does this mean you're softening the no movement clause? And Paul was instantly like, no, <laughs> you know, that's it's not his thing. I thought there'd be some kind of maybe a partial thing like he has in with the Deshane and uh, Rene deals, but. Um, Full no movement clause. That's uh, that's a big deal, and you know, I, to me, it's a it's a concession that makes sense. Like you said, Nick, I mean, this is a guy, and of course, this is always true. I mean, if, if someone goes to the open market, of course, they're going to make more money than you know than if they don't. So you knew this number was going to be less than what he could fetch out there, but still, to get him at that number, and uh, to me, it, it's it's a worthwhile concession and exception to make. And uh, big, big deal for the Predators. Um, you know, I've heard from some fans like, you know, he's going to be 38 at the end of this. And, you know, hell, it's a big deal. And all these big deals. And it's like, hey, do you want to lock up your great players and take a run of this thing? I mean, yeah, he probably won't be worth $9 million a year when he's 38. But that's really not what it's about. That's the trade-off. So I think it was great for the Predators to get it done. I mean, if he kept playing by that number, you could see that number rising, you know, with each shift sometimes with Yossi up there this year. It's like, get it done. Joe Rexford joining us here. Um, so what do you make of the Titans-Carolina matchup? Um, uh, certainly this is uh, a much, much more difficult matchup for the Titans offense and Ryan Tannehill. The first real test we're going to get for him in the new offense. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. I, you know, you can run on the Panthers, the numbers say. Uh, so that's, of course, they have one of the best linebackers in the game. Um, they've been a very good pass defense. You know, it's... Uh, I just feel like last week, great 90-yard drive, and Tannehill in the red zone has been so clutch, and it's why he's 2-0 as a starter. But I feel like Arthur Smith really, this is a big week for him. To mix things up, be less predictable, um, I think that you want to end up featuring the run in this game. You want to make sure Derrick Henry gets his touches, but maybe don't always uh, run inside on first down. You know, I, I think... Last week, I mean, I, I was watching those safeties for the Bucks, and you know they were not hesitating to crash that line before the snap. Uh, you know, on a lot of those first downs, and they were right. So, you know, you want to make them wrong sometimes, uh, but you know, that's a big deal. And on the other side, I mean, you know, <laughs> McCaffrey is a special. I'm really excited to, to get to see him, you know, in person, and um, that's uh, you know, he he is a, a special, special player. Um, and, you know, the Titans just got almost wrecked by a great player, and then they did a great job in the fourth quarter not even letting Mike Evans see a target, and maybe it'll be something similar here Sunday. You know, they're, they might have to adjust some things, figure some things out to keep uh, Christian McCaffrey from going off. Now, let, let's go over to West End because, obviously, um, Vandy was off a week, um, and maybe they needed it. We talked to Coach Mason um, yesterday. And he said some guys were banged up and they needed to buy, even though, you know, a lot of people figure, you know, you're on a roll here. 
wish you could have played last week to keep that momentum going. But there's a story that came out, um, you know, and, and, and whether it be dead on or not, I don't know. Um, Jeff Fisher um, would be a good candidate um, for the head coaching job at Vandy. Uh, what do you, One, do you think that Vandy will, after the season, move on from Derek Mason? And if so, do you think that Jeff Fisher would be the ideal choice? Uh, well, one, I don't know. I, I really don't think it's it's decided yet, and I think uh, I think it's going to be decided on the field. I think if if that ends up, the Missouri game ends up being an aberration, and this ends up being just a terrible team, uh, you know, with two, three wins at the end of the year, I think Malcolm Turner is going to at least think hard about it. And I think you know, a lot of places that's a no-brainer. You know, in year six, you now it's not, and, and we know Malcolm Turner will make a move. Um, well, you know, he's already done that you know, a few months into the job. I still, I still would not be 100% sure that he's moving on from Derek Mason because, I mean, he's, he's said it several times. You know, there's a lot uh, that isn't happening for this football program right now. And I know a lot of Vanderbilt fans would not want to hear that if that's how things turn out. I would guess he would move on from him, but I still wouldn't feel like 100% about it. I think if Derek Mason, you know, can, can build on that game and they can get – you know, even close to, you know, maybe qualifying for a bowl game. I think I think he has a pretty good chance of saving himself. Jeff Fisher, ideal candidate? I no, I would not say that. I mean, I think it'd be fun for us. We're talking about media. I mean, I, I'd enjoy that. You know, that'd be fun to watch and try. Uh, to me, though, I, I think you know you want someone who's been in the college game. I mean, if you're Jeff Fisher, you really want to start recruiting and also recruiting against SEC programs armed with. You know, what Vanderbilt's armed with, yeah, I, I mean that's that's a big ask. Um, to me, like a Jeff Munkin or something like that would be more an ideal candidate for the job. So but that's just a, a college coach who you know is in the recruiting game right now and can go to a place maybe with not all the advantages and still win. Uh, what about Tennessee? Uh, haven't seen a night like that in Neyland Stadium in, in in a couple of years where you sort of dominate big plays, you win against a team that was favored over you. Um, if you're writing the story of Jeremy Pruitt's second year, which is sort of what your job is now, um, or always has been, what, 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 where are you? What chapter are you in? What is the story evolving into now? I'm scribbling out those first two chapters. You know, uh, forget all the mean things I said back in September. <laughs> but, uh, well, but yeah, I mean, hey, those things happened, and it looked one way. And I think, I think right now you have to write a story of someone who has stuck with it and is getting some good things out of his team. And there's no way that's easy because I think that, I think we've seen one an example, like I don't like Jeremy Pruitt's approach to media and how he basically just doesn't acknowledge media, doesn't want anything to do with it. Uh, but maybe there's an advantage there too because, you know, you look at the guy before him and Butch Jones had, you know, every little thing said about him he knew and he, he was pretty good reaction to everything and, Jeremy Pruitt's just like, man, just going to keep being a ball coach. And, uh, you know, he's got a defense playing probably better than I would have thought after watching him early in the season. And certainly this offensive line, you know, they got to stay healthy. I mean, both tackles went out of the last game. One one came back. But that's an offensive line with some juice, you know. And, and we already knew that the offensive skill was good. Now Jim Chaney seems to be – you plug in a QB, you know, and, and the QB plays well. You know, he had great planning in South Carolina. Take shots, hit the shots. 
Um, it, it's a, a story of, I, I hate to be, you know, cliche, but it is a redemption story to a certain extent. Now let's see how it finishes because I do remember last year, five and five to beat Kentucky. It's like, wow, look at this guy. Year one, people should be talking about him for SEC coach of the year. And, uh, you know, then it's, it's blowouts to Missouri and Vanderbilt. So, but three straight weeks now, guys, that they've looked like a real football team. And that, that, that's, that's significant to me. Rex, always a pleasure. We appreciate the extended visit today. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you got it. it. Joe Rex Road from The Athletic joins us each and every Thursday here in the 8 o'clock hour of Morning Drive. Stick to sports coming up in 20 minutes. We're back after this on ESPN 1025 The Game. It is Morning Drive. Stick to sports coming up at 845 this morning. Uh, Hal Gill at 930 and then the big finish at 945. Interesting thing that Rex Rhodes said there at the end of the interview when we were talking to him about the Tennessee Volunteers. He said Tennessee looks like a football team the last three games, which is you know kind of the objective of playing football is to look like a football team. But here's my question, and this is going into UAB, and we can do more with Josh Ward tomorrow. UAB is a six and one team. I, I get it. Competition's different. Conference USA, whatever. But they are accustomed to winning games. Yes. But how? And Tennessee is not accustomed to winning games. And I'm not taking a shot at Tennessee, but they are what they are. Right. How does Tennessee handle success? Because you beat South Carolina by three touchdowns. So how do you build off of that? Yeah. Because you are not in no position to overlook UAB. No, you're only an eleven point favorite. So this is you know South Carolina is a bigger favorite at home against Vanderbilt right now. They're a fifteen point favorite at home. So yep. so do the, you can do the math on that. Listen, I, I, what I don't like about this playing teams like UAB, if I'm a Power Five coach or Power Five team, is teams that are again accustomed to winning. The, the that football locker room down there, the UAB Blazers, they are a, they they go to to battle every Saturday and they expect to win. And App State, right? They, they expect to win. That's why they beat North Carolina. They're going to play South Carolina later on in the year. App State's better than UAB, but I, I just—it's a dangerous situation, right? You, you have a, you have some success. You're playing really well. It's easy to see a letdown. This is where, if you are Jeremy Pruitt and the coaching staff, it is your job to get them up, to make sure they stay up, because you have so much to play for in the final month of the season. You know, we talked a lot in the summer about what's going to define this team: swing games. Well, what are the swing games? The four that are left. Mississippi State and South Carolina. Those were the swing games. Now, you lost gimmies. We, we gave you Georgia State and BYU, and you choked. So you got to pick them up somewhere else. And that means you're going to have to beat probably Missouri and Kentucky, two teams we didn't necessarily think you were going to beat on the road. So how, how do you look in the final month of the season? Don't, don't show us that this progress was for nothing, right? You've made progress. The offensive line's getting better if it's healthy. The defense is getting better. The schedule is there for you to, to accomplish something. Don't don't take this glimmer of momentum and this glimmer of hope and then just you know throw it out the window. Like you've got a chance here, but it's not going to be easy. UAB is a good football team. They're well coached. Um, you should dominate and win the game, but you should have dominated Georgia State and BYU as well. Yeah, um, you should have, and you know it's it's unfortunate because this team can be sitting. Um, five and three instead of three and five right now think about how, and, how our exactly, conversation would be the conversation yeah. would be totally different and they still i know mathematically as you as one of the callers um sent you a tweet i think yesterday david and said well mathematically they're still in 
But under that scenario, they're out um, because there are a lot of stuff that has to happen for them to get in. But if they're sitting here five and three instead of three and five, they are truly mathematically still in the hunt to win, um, to eat the East. Um, but they let games like Georgia State and BYU um, get away from them. Um, and now, like you said, they got to make these games up um, on the back end. Um I mean, BYU, not UBA, BYU. Um, they got UBA this week. They get a win here. Kentucky looked really good against Missouri last week. Do they play BNA as well? Yeah, I think the, so. The airport? <laughs> yes. I think they play All the airport. these UBAs and ABUs and ZSZs <laughs> and all whatever. Uh, but they got Kentucky, which is a tough out because Kentucky looked good last week. And, 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 Tennessee, then and Missouri. Tennessee, Tennessee fans have nightmares about losing to wide receivers playing quarterback yeah. as well. And then Missouri didn't look as good. It seemed like Missouri slowly trending the, you know, trending the other way and not meaning up. Yep. Yep. Um, and then at the end, Vandy has owned them the last couple of years. And, you know, that is going to be a game where you, you're going to get the best of Andy and, and hopefully you get the best of UT. And if UT can win that game, they can find themselves salvaging their season and end up in a bowl game. All three quarterbacks cleared to play, according to Tennessee. And I guess yesterday at practice, it went like this. Uh, JT Shroud took the majority of the snaps. Maurer took some. And Jared Garantano took less than 10 snaps yesterday. So... If that's any indication of Saturday, that very well could be the pecking order. And I'm going to guess we're going to see multiple quarterbacks. Yeah, I would guess as well. Um, Brian Maurer, it's, it's, it's interesting. And people, I think people understand this now uh, as, you know, head injuries. You, you recover pretty quickly from a head injury. Like physically, your body, after a couple of days, you, you don't feel any side effects, right? Like your, your body is fine. It, the, the problem is, is the continual every other week sustained concussion issue like that it's the, the issue for a concussion is like y- y- you can go two or three days and get cleared out of protocol and you're fine because you exhibit no more symptoms right there's no more sensitivity to light there's no more nausea there's no more headaches whatever but like there's nothing to keep the hit from happening on any given play at, at any other point and brian mauer unfortunately had two in two games in a row where he gets hit so he's probably been fine for a while and, and I think Pruitt said, I think it was yesterday or two days ago, he's like, yeah, he's ready. He's ready to go. Well, yeah, we know that, but that's not the point with head injuries. <laughs> the, the point with head injuries is if you get one, you're going you're gonna to feel fine quickly. But it's about getting another one and then getting hit again and then getting hit again. And he had it two in a row. Uh, you you want to take a young player's best interest into, your, into consideration. So I don't, I don't know what that means um, for him. I would assume that Brian Maurer is going to play. If so. he has another one, I, I'm shutting him down for the whole season. 100%. I, I'm not, I'm not going to even put him back in it. Even if he wants to play, I am shutting him down for the whole season because you're talking three concussions in a season? Nah. Uh-uh. Nah, I, I don't want to be the guy that continues to throw an individual out there no matter how good he look. Um, after three concussions, no, nah, we're, we're sitting you down for the season. 615-737-1025 if you want to jump in on the Vols conversation. so But if you think about it, and you, you know, we were just messing around a couple of days ago on that scenario of what Tennessee would need to do to win the East, and obviously we got that tweet about all the different scenarios. But what, the one thing that will come back to really be, I, I don't want to say haunt this team, but it's going to be a tough pill to swallow. And yeah, the BYU loss is bad because you had the game won, mm-hmm. but BYU is a respectable program. You go back to that Georgia State game. Whether that cost you bowl eligibility, six wins, whether that cost you a winning record, seven wins, 
that that's the one that I think is going to be very difficult to get over, even if this team finishes strong, because you're just going to simply say, well, what could have been if you didn't lose that game? Yeah. What's the trickle-down effect if you win to the following week against BYU? Do you play better in that game? Or are you more pumped? Well, I mean, you did play better in the BYU game, and you should have won the BYU game. That's the difference. Like You made one critical mistake at the end of the game, and it cost you. You had the game won. The the issue with Georgia State is that you got pretty much run. <laughs> like mm. You got run out of the building, and basically with a speed option left, speed option right. like They just ran the same play, and you couldn't stop it. So, so with a with a young team and a, and a and a developing team, you expect growth, right? But you don't expect it to start so badly. The good news is, is you have seen major progress, right? Like you you played well in the first half against Georgia, and then Georgia sort of out talented you, right? Like you played very well against Alabama. You were in that one with what amounts to your backup quarterback. I don't know what, sh- what we should call Jared Garantano. I think like he's sort of the starter, but like sort of the backup at the same time. Um, but but. You know, we 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 looked at Mississippi State, who by the way is crumbling right now, right? So I don't know how successful that win really is. The performance against South Carolina is the one that gives you the most comfort because South Carolina has a really good defensive line. You were able to accomplish some stuff against them. You played, you made huge plays in the passing game. You made big plays on special teams, things that you know Jeremy Pruitt cares deeply about as a, as a former special teams coach. There's lots of reasons to be excited, but you can't. You could all give. You could give it all back to, in the final month. If you lose to, to, to Missouri and Kentucky and you beat Vandy and UAB, how are people going to feel about the season? Hmm. Yeah. If you lose to Vanderbilt again. No, no, you beat Vandy, you beat oh, UAB. Oh, you beat Vandy. But you lose to And what's the Missouri, final record? What's Missouri the number? And Kentucky. So you're. So that's, that's six and six? Six and six. Or is that five and seven? Five and seven. If you beat, yeah, Vandy. Five and seven. It's I mean, not you're, acceptable. You're giving it all back. Yeah. yeah, you're giving any progress you made all back again. If you lose it is, to Missouri, it's, and it's the same thing as last year. Exactly. I, you, you've got to show progress. So you got to beat UAB. You got to beat Vandy. Those go without saying. But it also means you probably have to pick up one more. But but also, and you know, it was a great win. I thought this past week because you you won by 20 points. The refs were atrocious. I mean, you know, it felt like you were in a handicap wrestling match, a two on one match, with just how bad those officials were. But let's also keep in mind, South Carolina is a team. That was, quote, on their backup quarterback. And I know Ryan Holinsky's had a good season, but Jake Bentley was a starter this year, going into the year. Right. And South Carolina's got a losing record. So, all that being said, it's, it's you, not the signature win that Auburn was a year ago. Not even close. No. Or Kentucky last year. Yeah. Now, and again, even Kentucky, Auburn didn't end up being as good as their ranking at the time, right? The, the Auburn kind of trailed off as the season went along. Kentucky was just coming off their game against Georgia, which was for the division championship, essentially, and was the biggest game in Commonwealth Stadium history, and they clearly didn't get off the bus. So you can poke holes in this stuff, but you can also show progress, too. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's, this is one of those teams in college football where we're at a really critical juncture. And if, if they go, this team is capable of going 4-0 the rest of the way. They're also capable of going 2-2. Two two. They're also capable of getting upset by UAB. Like, literally, if, you, if you've lost to Georgia State and BYU... UAB's better than than both of them. So you are capable of almost anything with four games still left to go, and we have no idea how that's going to define Jeremy Pruitt's second season. And and it's but it but it will it will define him in some way, shape, or form, either for for better or for worse. So listen, this is where Tennessee football is: (laughs) beat Vanderbilt and UAB in Kentucky. That that's where this program is right now. You got to win those games to be considered. Uh, you know, forward progress. That that's that's where they are right now. 
615-737-1025. Stick to Sports is coming up next. Big night tonight in sports. Of course, the Predators and the Flames. Puck drop at 7 here on 1025 The Game. Pre-game coverage gets underway at 6 o'clock. This is a multi-TV night if I've ever seen it. you got to go. you got Preds, Flames. You've got 49ers, Cardinals. Kyler Murray against Jimmy Garoppolo. Baylor, West Virginia. Baylor, West Virginia is interesting. And actually, uh, App State yeah. plays tonight, too. How Two top um, 20 teams. A, 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 yeah, App State. On the Thursday. Who's App State playing at home? Um, uh, Georgia, sl- Georgia slappy, Southern? Slappy Tech? Georgia Southern, I think. Um, <laughs> slappy Tech. Um, I, I, yeah, yeah, Georgia Southern. So Slappy Tech. <laughs> here's the problem, though. Like, how much... Is it bad for me to be rooting for rain tonight? That's a question I have. So you won't have to go trick-or-treating? Yeah. Mm. Is it bad for me to root for rain? No, not really. To, and that ru- totally ruins my kids. Because my kids will be, like, both my daughters are at daycare at school in their costumes. So they're going to have all day with their friends to be in costume, right? So they've got treats at school. So they're going to get a bunch of fun stuff. They're going to have a great day. And they're so young because your, your kids will, Nick, are, are five. They'll know mm-hmm. if they're not going trick-or-treating. Like, they know what it means, oh, right? Yeah. My kids don't know what it means yet. Uh-huh. So my wife and I, there was a moment last night we were kind of, like, looking at the forecast and going, man, I, if it just rains, what are we going to do? And she goes, we're not going trick-or-treating. I said, no. is it bad for me to be rooting for rain then? No, not it, really. She goes, but we still have people coming to our house. I go, not if we turn all the lights off. What if we just bat down the hatches and put the kids in bed and the watch a movie? The game starts at, what, 7? Mm-hmm. The first game starts at 7? Yep. Because it's raining and it's overcast, it's going to be dark around 5.30. It will be dark quickly, yeah. Yeah, so if you take them out for an hour, give them a good hour, you could be back in the house. For like 5.30 to 6.30? Yeah, you could be back in the house by the time the oh, game starts. before the Preds start, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, they go to bed around 7 anyway. I don't think we... Uh, I, I'm trying so to, you can still no, get trying, it in. Derek, I'm trying to do as little as possible tonight, okay? <laughs> you're trying to... Don't... You're, you're ruining it by telling me that I can still get it in, all right? <laughs> trying to do as little as possible. <laughs> hey, sometimes you just got to get it in, no, man. Big, I, big I, fan I, of getting it in. Yeah, I, I got to get it in. It's got to stay in, All right, man. both of you, yeah. shut up. <laughs> Talking about my kids here going trick-or-treating all right you know, that's I'll, what I'll, we're talking about i'll we're, tell you what i'm gonna do right now i don't want to hear about your nougat okay <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna throw my mike myers mask on uh-huh i'm gonna sit on my porch <laughs> and for all the adults that come by i'm gonna give them miniature bottles of tito's vodka uh, are you see, serious I love, no, hell I love, no dude, no no see here <laughs> i would I, i'm not kidding and it was in it was i got this from the uh the the show the league uh-huh. which nick i can't believe you don't watch this show. yeah that's a violation it, it is on my so part. up your alley it's it so grotesque and al bundyish you, you would love it it's hilarious they do uh, adult Halloween when they take their kids trick-or-treating, so they have a cart that they pull, and it's a bar. So it's just filled with booze, and they just carry the cart around while they, <laughs> while they, while they, they all go walking around the neighborhood drinking while the kids are uh, going trick-or-treating, and I, I think it's- That be I, you, Nick. I think it's genius. Yeah. Um, I do have a, a real quick- I know we got to go to break. i got a quick question. About 9, 9.15 last year at night, so all the kids had come through and mm-hmm. trick-or-treated at, the, at our house, and our kids were asleep, and- Two guys walk up to the house in costume, but really just like a mask and like a and like some bags. And they were probably twenty five years old. Uh-huh. H- how concerned should I be? I would have hit him with a broom. <laughs> <laughs> like, cause I get it. Some people just love Halloween. They want to trick or treat. I get it. You don't want to grow up. Whatever. It's a little weird, but like, no. fine. Just no, call. Just call this, them. This didn't feel like. This didn't feel like that they were just two kids out trick-or-treating trying to relive their youth. This felt like something different. Did they ride off on scooters, too? I would have came to the door with a shotgun. I would have trusted them if they were on scooters for some reason. Yeah, is that a violation to trick-or-treat on a scooter? No, that's genius. Is it genius? Genius. So So true story, my wife, she has three siblings, and her dad and 
the guy across the street and their daughter, so like six kids, they would go speed trick-or-treating, and it was a competition. They would take the car to other neighborhoods, drop all of them off on different streets, collect as much as possible, get back in the suburban, drive to the next neighborhood, drop them off, pick up as much as possible, get back in the suburban, come back. It was oh, wow. speed trick-or-treating, and they'd be home after like an hour and have two pillowcases a So it's, it's the quantity of the kid. candy over the quality of the experience. Uh, yeah. I guess, but the, but the but they loved it as mm. kids because they got so much candy out of the deal. I'm not sure how I feel about that. So I don't know how they... I don't know. i got to think about that one. Listen, if, that you, might go, be a violation. if you go out early, you get the best candy. I mean, that's true. Yeah, you okay. go out early, or get Or if you get stuck candy. in a garage until midnight, you don't get <laughs> <laughs> That is so sad. Stick sad. to sports. Coming up next. I am very uncomfortable right now because I've got Braden and Derek standing up dancing. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that, that one. Jaws is closing in all around. That was the epic laugh at the end of that song. It is morning drive. That used to creep me out as a kid, dude. I, I watched. Think, the, I was like three when I saw this, but it came out in the eighties. But I was like three or four that when seems I saw it. Early this. to watch the thriller video. Yes, I was three. terrified. But I, I was like, it was. Don't stop till you get enough back on, because he was like happy and dancing and stuff in that one. I was like, put that back on. I, 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 I think I, I think I had that on VHS, like taped off of like MTV or something, and I watched that that music video a hundred thousand times probably. All right, let's take the sports. The world is a crazy place. Crazy sounding pretty good right now. Let's lighten the mood. After all that seriousness, <laughs> you're just gonna crumple it up and throw it in the trash, basically, and stick to sports. Now, on Morning Drive. All right, Derek Mason, Stick to Sports is brought to you by... The good folks at Decorated Inn Interior. Stick with the pros at Decorated Inn. When you're ready to decorate your home, office, or outdoor spaces, request a complimentary appointment online at decoratingden.com. Number one. All right, fellas, let me ask you this real quick. What is a violation to give away on Halloween? Because some people give away toothbrushes. Some people give away apples and fruits and, and whatnot. What are violations? Apples and fruits? Yeah, Jeez, like toothbrushes. That, yeah, that toothbrushes. I got a toothbrush before. That is a violation to give Alabama. Fruit. What is wrong with fruit? Alabama? Oh, this is a violation. Don't give fruit. Raisins? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah raisins and fruit. Yeah, uh, I guess raisins is fruit. I mentioned yeah. earlier this week the little bags of potato chips. See, I don't mind no, that. I don't mind See, that. Yeah, yeah. It's still, mind that yeah. That's still junk food. Exactly. So it's, it's about the healthiness okay. of it. If it's healthy, it's healthy. I don't want it. As Derek was over here, he, what were you eating? Like Reese's peanut butter cups or something? Yeah, I was eating, I don't know like what for it breakfast? was. <laughs> I got my shake, but I didn't like, want it right What the now. hell am I going to do with a raisin bran? Like, uh, like a little box of raisins? Oh, that's yeah, stupid. People, well, let's not gloss over stupid. this toothbrush thing. Yeah, what, what did you see, crazy. a bunch of dentists? No, I'm, I'm telling you. And then there's a list on, I think this was David Pollack on ESPN that says that some of the stuff that he gives away is toothbrushes. Well, that's that makes the most. David Pollock is that, of course. David what Pollock is he does like that. a health freak? Uh, yes, that of course. Just he the gives, dumbest thing. But I've course, got, I am not surprised at all. I've gotten David a toothbrush before. Maybe it was, it was a dentist house, I guess. But what about a bologna sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's junk. Junk food. It is bad. Who's for giving you? away yeah. bologna sandwiches? <laughs> I don't know why. I, don't I know want why my. I, that. I want my stuff in a wrapper. I don't yeah, want no, it. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I don't give me that. Okay, let me ask you guys this. So somebody. In our neighborhood, I don't know if this is a thing or not. I was freaked out by it. My wife was like, no, it's totally fine. So I came home one day, and there was a tiny little bag of candy on our doorstep. This was mm-hmm. like a week ago. And it had like a, like a bow on it. It had been tied. Everything was in a wrapper, right? So mm-hmm. there was like, I don't know, probably like five or six small pieces of candy in there. Mm-hmm. 
and it had a little card on it that says like you've been booed, you know, just a nice thank, just a nice, you know, treat for the neighborhood or whatever. No name, no like from who, no to who. Somebody just throwing a bag of candy on our front porch, and I was like, should I be weirded out by this? Is it okay to eat this candy or is this like it's all wrapped? I get it. But somebody just, we have no idea who did this. Mm. Somebody just randomly were, was putting this on people's doorsteps. I'm throwing it in trash. And my wife was like, no, no, it's fine. It's called getting booed. It's a thing. And I was no, like, I'd never heard of this. No, getting booed is a thing, but I'm throwing the candy away. So you don't trust it? No, I don't trust it. Nick? Well, I remember back in the day when I would go trick-or-treating, my parents would inspect every piece of candy when mm-hmm. I got home. That explains a lot. Yeah. Um, so would you eat So would you eat it? No, I'd throw it away. In this day and age with sick, twisted, sadistic people, you don't know what's under that candy. i throw I, it away. I ate it all. I'm fine. <laughs> for now but i was a little weirded out though and she was totally fine about it I was let like, me okay. ask you this then is candy corn okay because uh, i don't like candy yes. corn at all i like candy corn i okay. don't I, I don't like it okay, what, like what are we good at in, in america complaining we're, we're good at tooth we're good at making money and we're good at making sugary products uh-huh. that turn a profit right P- posting selfies yeah <laughs> that too. <laughs> although some people aren't as good as others um so we're really good at taking corn syrup turning it into something that tastes delicious and making a huge profit off it right mm-hmm. then why is this only available for one or two months a year it's not i can get candy corn in you can get candy year. corn all year yeah, round you go mm-hmm. to walgreens yeah candy corn yeah oh yeah i get candy corn all sure? the time yeah every time yeah i see candy corn at walgreens a but lot. why do we only buy it one month a year then? because it's the halloween colors and we just assume it's only I'm just for halloween saying, my, my point no, you're is, right. is if it was good it would be a hot top seller all year round and it would be a successful popular candy all year round right well it's like eggnog i mean you don't really drink eggnog until eggnog is so nasty can <laughs> you get eggnog year round in the dairy section at the grocery uh, store i don't know that's a good question yeah go i never check. thought about it go check i don't think i don't think you can no i think you can. i don't i don't mind eggnog. no i don't think you can either i think eggnog mixed with some with some bourbon is quite tasty well and here's the other thing speaking of seasonal stuff but it needs to have some alcohol in it. why do we not make roast turkey more often I, than just Thanksgiving, because I love turkey. We, yeah, we do, I, we do, we, you do. We, yeah, we do turkey all the time. Uh, you can make it however you want. To I know. turkey tenderloins on the on the green egg all the time. Yeah. Like I said it to my wife last night. I go, why do we only make a turkey like twice a year? And it, she goes, well, how often do you want? I go, well, I don't know, maybe five or six times. Uh, yeah. No, I. I it so, takes a long time to cook it. Though. It does. So what yeah. we do is, what you, the best strategy of all is on Friday. Instead of going shopping for like expensive retail goods on Friday, go to the grocery store. And buy a, you'll, you'll get like fresh, awesome turkeys for like, you could get like a 20 pound turkey for like nine bucks. And and we always go to the grocery store the day after Thanksgiving, buy another turkey and then cook it that weekend and then have turkey for like two weeks straight. And then I'm also, trying to think that you my, can't find fresh turkeys though. Yeah. And around. also if you're going to the store too, buy some candy after Halloween, yeah. like the day after Halloween, that's when you get all the good stuff. That's yeah. every, that, that's every holiday. November 1st. Easter. Uh, Valentine's Day, go the day after. You can get really cheap candy. You can eat I Love You. Are you going <laughs> to save the Valentine's Day candy for the next year? <laughs> I'm going to get it now. I'll save it for next year and give it away. How many people really do eat the Valentine's Day candy? I don't. I don't. No. I can't remember the last time I bought a box of chocolates. Yeah, me either. It's Valentine's overrated. Day is a completely fabricated holiday by, for, by Russell Stover and Hallmark. Did y'all have Sweetie's Day? We had Sweetie's Day in Michigan. I don't want to have any more Sweetie's Day. I've never Sweetie's heard of that. Day Been and married Valentine's They're both basically the same. Did you know that the uh, along the lines of like completely marketed, fabricated holiday, Valentine's Day, right, to make money off of us? Uh-huh. Did you guys know that engagement rings were, were like invented by a diamond company in like the 1920s? I believe you. Just totally invented. 
Yep. Like like nobody it used to be like just be committed and loyal and that's love why your people spouse. buy certain rings now. Why people buy pl- like plastic rings? Right, we're, we're pushing and, back on it. Yeah, yeah hey, you want to get married? Cool. If you don't need that, you know. Why do you need to spend five thousand yeah. dollars on something? I don't understand. Like when we get divorced, can I have that back, please? <laughs> well, isn't there like this new trend <laughs> called like that back, please? Promise rings or something like that? Like uh, a promise uh, ring? Oh yeah, I gave away one when I was young. You gave a promise ring away? Yes. Let's hear the story. Oh, uh, that was bad. Um, no, nah, it didn't cost that much. Though, Why are you giving away promise rings in high school? <laughs> man, I was like fourteen. Man, uh, I was man. Young, how did you get man? the money to buy that for one? I bought it for like five dollars at Claire's. Did you oh, get man. it out of the? That ain't no promise ring. Green is gonna make a finger turn green. Hey, hey, they're fourteen years old. Leave them alone. Come on. But no, I just you know, it was a girl. I was I had a crush. And I just moved to Alabama too, so this was like one of the first girls that I talked to. So I was like, you know, okay, it's my first girlfriend in high school. Uh, you know, you got, you got, you, know you were sprung, boy. That boy was sprung. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that boy got sprung. I, Look at hey. the tongue. Look at the tongue. That boy got sprung. <laughs> I took it to the fair, looking like Ja Rule and Ashanti in that music video. <laughs> I'll, I took uh, her to the fair. Nothing like a good Tuscaloosa uh, fair. Like, yeah, you, just, you just picture Marquis going to the mall. He's wearing his Tyrone Pro Throw jersey. <laughs> <laughs> he goes into Claire's. Hey, you got any promise rings for like five bucks or less? Uh, Ten dollars. pulls out uh, a bunch of change. Are you related to Glenn Coffee? <laughs> oh, man. Glenn Coffee. Gosh, five dollars promise hey, ring. I got no problem with a five dollar cost. How long did y'all stay together? Yeah. Uh, How long a year. after did y'all break? Did a you year. Get a promise a ring year. back? That's but a pretty you, good relationship yeah, for high school. Did but you get it back? No, nah, I let her keep it. It's $5. It don't matter. It's yours. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Her not, mom, if you, not if you give it to a woman, man. No, nah, it's crazy. Yeah, anymore. Yeah. Her mom made her break up with me because I didn't have a car and I was 15. Uh, I, was like, what the, I was like, what the hell am I supposed to do? Like, I, and bike, look, and look, I bike it over here. And look at you now. <laughs> look at me now. <laughs> Still no car. Still no car. No, but give, 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 the, give the real reason why she broke up with you. She, she yeah. wanted to go see Austin Powers, too, and you'd rather see Brody Croyle. Uh, exactly. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say, maybe she was an Auburn fan. Well, I mean, promise rings are cool, man. I'm just... I'm just if that's your thing. Yeah, if that's, that's your thing. thing. I mean, I gave my... But this is my daughter. I gave my daughter a promise ring, but that was for other stuff. But, I mean, if you want to give your... Your girl, are you still? I just want to. Are you still giving out promise rings? No, I, don't oh, know, I was about no, to say no. that was a one time thing. Yeah, yeah, that was a one time. That thing. makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, look at I'm me not now. Sure me. I ever did. Oh, look at me you, now, Misha. Are you pulling a Derek Jeter? Look at me now, Misha. Are you pulling a Derek Jeter? Are you giving out gift bags? <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's a good one. I'm not gonna lie. He just, I can't afford Derek. Do you just, sign it one word? Just Munson. Yeah, yeah. You sign the baseball just Munson. Not double M. You put you put one oh one oh two five um. Um, stuff in the bag. Oh. So swag. 1025 swag it's in the a, bag. Like a little Preds magnetic schedule. <laughs> uh, the President Trophy flag. Here's a bag of Doritos signed by Derek Mason himself. Hey, girl. No wonder I was signing them all in damn bags of Doritos the other day. Hey, hey do, you, do, you want a, do you want a 2017 Tennessee Titans media guide? I've got one right here. Brett Kern's on the cover, baby. You know who Brett Kern is? How about Ryan Suckup? Do you want a Vanderbilt uh, pocket schedule? Oh, you can keep goodness. it in your pocket at all times. I just give her the bag uh, they give us at SEC Media Days. <laughs> got a picture of Ryan Poor if you want that. No, there's a there's a there's a like a nice like a uh, orca cup in there. I'm not giving that away. Well, not that one. Yeah, I, I keep that for myself. It's a magnetic pet schedule. Here, honey. Here's the bag. <laughs> Call me. <laughs> Talk to you next weekend. You can check the schedule when the Preds are playing. <laughs>
That's when I'm unavailable for you. That's when I'm busy. Oh, man. Here, are the night, here, keep this in your pocket. These are the nights we can go out on dates. Here are the oh, nights we can. Uh, all right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me try to transition here for you folks as a professional broadcaster. How about this? One incredible stat on Mike Vrabel that is a certainty that's next on Morning Drive.